0: Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Good to see everybody, amen, as we continue on in our series uh, just so, you know, we'll always have some seats right here on my right-hand side. Uh, we're continuing on in our series uh, called Searching for Me. It's really a walk through the book of Ephesians, but we've been handling the deep issue of figuring out who we are, figuring out our identity in Christ, of knowing what God has called us to be and how he's defined us. And in this search, we have dealt with generations of the past. We've talked about the fact that our father's father's blessing can come down and visit us. And we've talked about how our father's father's cursings can hurt our lives and it visits us. But one of the things that we wanna deal with is the emotional power of the word father. Even when you say it, for some of you, it echoes at a deep part of your heart that you don't even wanna think about. For others of you, it might even bring some kind of joy inside of you. As I've showed you this picture a million times in this series, the, the fact that my dad he worked his way through oppression. In 1968, he was one of the first black programmers at IBM here in New York City. And, my, and his father was one of the first black men to work at the paper mill in Mississippi. And then his father, Justice Roberson, was the one that established the NAACP in Moss Point, Mississippi. So all of my father's 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 worked through oppression and they have this pioneering spirit. My dad is strong. He's a strong father. But my father's strength, at times, he would even admit, sometimes intimacy is difficult because that's just not the way he saw connecting with the son. That's not what he saw from his father's father's father. It was about being strong through oppression. It was about working when no one was looking for you. It was about being a man when people said, you're not a man. That made my dad a strong father. And for you tonight, when you say the word father, there's a story connected to it. Many of you that had a father there, there's a story you remember about your father, the story that captures my dad. I think I've told it here before. Um, When I was growing up, I'll date myself. When I was growing up, uh, a group that came out, they weren't my favorite group, but they had a great song, it was Criss Cross. Anybody know Criss Cross? All right. Amen. 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 The prophets, Daddy Mac and Mac Daddy. And um, one day my friends decide, you know what? We are going to wear our clothes backwards because the Daddy Mac and the Mac Daddy. And I was like, yep, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. We're going to go to school with our clothes on backwards. So I had some, anybody remember cross colors? I had some cross colors. I had this uh, I had this thing, it was, I will not even get into it, but it was a mess, made sense at the time. So I had this outfit, right? I put it on backwards. You have everything on backwards. Now my dad, my strong dad, you know, he's downstairs getting ready for work. He's got his suit on, you know, he's got his coffee in hand. He's got his, you know, legs folded, arms folded, newspaper in hand, coffee. I come downstairs and you just feel the room. And I'm not even paying attention to him. You know, I'm going to get my book bag out the kitchen. I'm getting ready to go. My dad's like, hey, you got all your books? I'm like, yes. He's like, all right, all right. I'll, I'll. Boy? What's up, man? You know you have your clothes on backwards. Yeah, dad, you know it's crisscross. See, what we're doing at our school is my friends, we're all wearing our clothes backwards because of crisscross. Cross. You know, when we bought you those clothes, they were meant to be worn the right way. Yeah, but dad, it's, it's not about that. It's, I'm trying to tell you that like everybody's doing it. The worst thing to tell a parent, amen? I'm like, yeah, everybody's doing it. And my dad's like, I don't care. I bought you those clothes. Did you buy those clothes? No, I bought you those. Go upstairs and put them on right. And I'm like, dad... Come on, man. He's like, no. And then I did what a lot of kids do. I was 14, so I figured I'd do the emotional thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, I'm going to get mad emotional, and my dad's going to be overwhelmed by this tsunami of emotion. I was like, Dad, all my friends. You know, you know that moment? <laughs> They're all wearing it. And I just I just wish you would just understand. I mean, I just want I don't want to stand out. My dad was like, hmm Go upstairs. <laughs> Put your clothes on right, or I'm gonna crisscross you behind. <laughs> true story, true story, right? <laughs> and when you think of your dad, there's always a story and And I know we're laughing, but the reality is is that there's another story you could tell too. You see, for many of us, I would say a good portion of us, if your dad was around, he was probably strong and a great provider, or at least he attempted, but he probably wasn't very close. And if he was close, you had a bonus package because many people felt someone who was emotionally present Rather physically present, but emotionally absent. And then there were some who didn't feel the presence of a father at all. We can't help it, but realize that our souls are rigged to want a strong father, but also a close daddy. It's the way that we, we think. We, we, we want this connection with somebody that we know is just amazing. I mean, when you're four years old, you look up at dad and he can shoot a basketball all the way in that 10-foot basket. And you're like, oh my gosh, my daddy can do amazing things, but he can also pick me up and hold me. My daddy's so strong. I got a strong father. And I got a close daddy. He holds me. And we feel this desire deep within our hearts to have this all the time, whether your father was there or not. We want this connection. The desire to have this gets expressed in Romans 8, 15. It says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the fatherly side, the strong protector. We want somebody that will help us with decisions and protect us if we're weak. But we also want somebody that we can cry out to and call to and connect with. We want a strong father, but we want a close daddy. We can't help but think what would it be like to be closer to dad? You know, many of you. If you had a dad there, you tried to experience closeness. I shared this story before years ago. You know, I did the tell my dad I love him experiment. It's like, you know what, you know what, I'm, I was in college and I, w- I think I was like a psychology class. I was like, I'm gonna tell my dad I love him, yeah. So I go to my dad, I'm like, dad, I love you. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, you you coming, coming home Saturday, all right, great. I was like, oh, okay, that was different. And for years and years and years. And, and what I realized was I wanted my dad to act like he didn't go through all those years of oppression. And I wanted him to be this intimate, close guy. The reality was he was rugged because of the world he was brought up in. And the fact of the matter is I was trying to form my dad into the image of God. And see, what we, what we tend to do is we look through the lenses of, a, of our broken daddy image at God. And we believe that God often can have the same level of brokenness that our daddy had, because we can't help it, but the Bible keeps calling God Father. 236 times in the New Testament, it keeps saying Father. When Jesus has his disciples, and they're like, can you teach us how to pray? He says, well, start with our what? Father. So there's this tension inside of us, even secular thinkers and even theologians want to get rid of the word father, not because it's not expressed over and over again in the text, but there's something about us that doesn't want to hamstring God to this kind of mentality of a father, not just because he doesn't say it, but maybe because we bring emotional weight to that word father. In many ways we're like, you can't be a father because we have a memory of what father means, but maybe... Maybe we shouldn't superimpose our broken daddy's image onto our divine divine father's image, but maybe we should begin to look at our heavenly father and see all that he wants to offer us. We are looking for a daddy. We're constantly searching for a daddy. Romans 8.15 gives us this picture of daddy, of crying out. And we've, in our past series, this we've talked about how kids interrupt parents because they want this connection. They, they believe they're emotionally entitled to their parents' attention. And in a lot of ways, until you're really crying out for your father, you're not feeling the connection of a son or a daughter. But daddy is this thing inside of us. It's not just about the, human being that you were raised in a house with or without. There's something inside of us that, you see, the phrase daddy is indicative of wanting someone who's really strong to tell me I'm great. (laughs) You say, I don't have daddy issues. Well, maybe you don't, but there's a good chance that There is someone's approval that you long for. When they say you're great, it defines you. When they're distant from you, it breaks you. You know, in a weird way, parents can have daddy issues expressed in their kids. I mean, a lot of times when you have a mother who's smothering their child or a, a dad who's a helicopter parent, in many ways, they're wanting the love and expression of their kids. Even though they're the parent, they're wanting their kid to be a daddy. They're wanting their kid to get connection from when you have this, when you're lingering with this limp of daddy, you're always wanting to go around with this imprint on, inside of you. You're wanting connection from people. You're hovering around people because you want this lasting sense of strength in your life. And we're searching for this newness. And yet the Bible tells us that we have a daddy, a strong father and a close daddy in God. And we read it right here in the text. So why does it not sink all the way down into our hearts? I can tell you why. Because there's another father at work. It's called the father of lies. Lying is his native tongue. And so what he does is he continually distorts who God is. He echoes in the chambers of our soul to tell us, the reason why you don't see God working is because he's not interested in you. The reality is, is that every moment that you see hiccups in your life, another father is beginning to minister to you, speak lies over you. And so what? one of the amazing things that Paul does in this text as he begins to lay out this picture of how we should long to understand God. We can't bring in the past impressions of powerful people or fathers. We've got to see this new picture of God for our lives, this new reality of daddy in our lives, this new connection, and we've got to be informed about who he is. That is Paul's greatest prayer here. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians one. You can look up on the screen. As we've said, this is a what's called a circular letter, meaning that this was a book that went around to an entire region because Paul felt that this was something that every Christian should know. This is essentially basic Christianity. He says in Ephesians one, verse 17. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul is praying and he says, I want you to have wisdom, revelation, expressed in knowledge. And the kind of knowledge that he's speaking of is a heart knowledge, not an intellectual assent." but knowing that God is for you and connected to you. And he says that I want this expressed in wisdom and revelation, skillful living and learning more of who God is, more of his heart. Moses, one of the great leaders in the Bible who did not start his life off as a great leader. Moses has to lead the Israelites. And he is just weighted down by all their foolishness and their inconsistencies. And and the Bible says that Moses would meet with God like a friend face to face. He would be connected to God and know God more. And just imagine that although it doesn't mean literally he saw his face, but what it means is that he had this closeness with God. Can you imagine that? I mean, when we sing, we're like, oh, we want your presence. He was fully in his presence. The full dynamic of who God is. But while he is in the face of God, he's dealing with leadership issues over here with the Israelites. So one night he's talking with, the Israelites, or rather with God. And he's, he's saying to himself, God, I need to know you. I need to know you. In verse 13 of Exodus 33, he says, now if I have found favor with you, please teach me your ways and I will know you so that I may find favor with you. And then jump to verse 18. He says, then Moses said, please let me see your glory wait a minute, Moses, you, you see this brother every day. You see him face to face. He's like, I know, I need to know him more. You see, my master passion is to see more of his glory. I, I'm not, I haven't had enough. I'm addicted to his presence. I need more. Now, what drove him to want more of God's presence? I'll tell you, people, <laughs> yes, sir. dealing with humans. That's what it was. He got to the place in life where he was looking at God, but he would look back over at the people, and he says, I need more of you. you. If you ain't going with me, I can't do this. I need more of you and less of them. But see, this is our problem. We get overwhelmed because we stare at life, but we glance at God. And see, we're wanting from life. You you got this job, and you need another, and so you hustle and you network and you look at people and you say, "Hey, give me a call because you know you're the man and I'm the man and we can get connected." And you're looking at life. You're looking at life, but you're glancing at God. You see what I'm doing over here? Help me out. Then you're looking at life. 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 Looking at life. You see what I'm doing here? Help me out. Come on. It's just life, 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 and you are looking life face to face. But you took a, take a sneak peek at God. And Moses says, I can't do that no more. I want to look at you. I want to know you more. I want to know more about you. Tell me about your power. Tell me about your strength. Huh? I need to be at this meeting? I'll be there in a second. But anyway, I need more of you. I want to, you know what? You know what? Come on, I'm going to carry you in there with me. You see? That is what Moses says. "I want to know you. I believe I'm a carrier of your presence, and I want you to be with me, and I want to be with you." And that's, And Paul says, "I know I could pray for your rent." And I know I could pray for your job and I know I could pray against your insecurities, but I can cut through all that. If you would just pray for more knowledge of him, you will have peace in the most tumultuous circumstance. If you're leading a group of people in the wilderness and it's wearing you down, just keep looking at God and glance at life. Make sure you don't reverse it. Make sure you don't reverse it. Make sure you don't reverse it. Notice Paul is praying this. He's not commanding this. He's literally like walking into a room and hearing your parents pray, pray a prayer for you. Oh, I wish they would be this. I wish they would be that. And you hear their heart. Paul is just unveiling his heart. Oh God, I pray that that would be their master passion to know God more, to let let that be their focus. Oh, so many things get in the way, doesn't it? Doesn't time get in the way? Isn't the city crazy? Isn't there so many things that seep into our attention? God ends up in the periphery, in the background, and yet we call him Lord. And so we we want to just continue to stare at God. Paul says, here's another prayer. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling." Interesting here. Though I'm not any kind of Greek scholar, I just Google stuff, amen. But the reality here is that in verse 18, if you were to read, for instance, the New International Version, you would read what is the hope of your calling. And it would fit mentally because God has called you to something and wants you to do great things in life, amen and amen but this word here he has for what is the hope of is it says his calling. What is the hope of his calling? And that totally changes the way that this text expresses itself. If I were to call your name, if I were to say, John, John, at some point, John's like, what's up? Is there like, is there something on me? Because At the end of the day, if you keep calling someone that's looking at you, it gets odd. You call people that aren't paying attention to you. You see, if John was turned the other way and I said, John, and he turned back, then my voice connecting with him makes all the sense in the world because I'm trying to carry my voice to his ears so that he would turn and look at me. The call, the call, the call, the call, his calling. What he's saying is, I called your name and you weren't interested in me. You were looking the other way and I called your name and you turned back towards me. You weren't interested in God. Come on now. Remember, remember that night when you was planning sin? I'm talking about planning it, amen, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you was planning it. A worship song came on, you were like, not right now. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. You told your friends you fell into sin. How many of you know it's weird to plan something to fall into, you know what I'm saying? Come on now. (laughs) But anyway, what I'm trying to say, that was all for free. Thank you, God. Thank you. What what we're saying is God, God got our attention, didn't he? God got our attention. Are you kidding me? The call into a relationship with God is like an intervention. It's an interruption. He turns us to himself. And what the text is saying, he says, remember when you were called? He says, there's hope in that because you know how you're messing up now? Well, he called you when you were running away. He'll call you when you're struggling too. The hope of your calling is that he's always trying to get your attention. He's always facing you, looking at you. When you turn to the side, he's still looking at you. Conviction is God calling you. Repentance is God welcoming you back. He's always calling us. He's always longing for us to be connected with him. And he says, you ought to know that hope That we have. The scriptures say in Acts 16 14, a God-fearing woman named Lydia was a dealer in purple, clothed from the city of Thyatira, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things of God. Our hearts were closed. God's the one that opened it up. He called us. And if He called us, He wants to keep us. Amen? Yeah, that's the hope. Now, this next verse blows my mind because it tells us how much God is this intimate father, this intimate connected dad who wants us. Look in verse 18, it says, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, again, pastors get excited about Bible stuff all the time, but this is a very exciting thing because it wasn't until I studied it that I really understood what the text was saying. If you look back in verse 14, it says the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. Remember that from last week, amen? Two people said yes, amen. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a week. We don't remember. But we said inheritance doesn't really connect with us because half of us are broke, amen? And we come from broke this okay? Like, we're, if our parents die, it's, what are we going to get? We might not get anything. Probably won't. We probably are the ones that are going to be paying money. So inheritance doesn't really mean much. It doesn't spark an idea, but inheritance means that there's wealth later, even though I'm poor now. That's what inheritance means. And so, but this is the crazy part. It says essentially that we will have an inheritance and the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. Inheritance, say one day we'll have God. We'll have streets of gold. No more death, no more dying, tears wiped away. Amen, amen. That is great inheritance. And we get excited about that. But here's the crazy thing it says here. I'm really building this up, amen. It says, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? He says, you are my inheritance. You see, we don't, we don't connect to that. It means that Paul wants us to know that we are considered his wealth. He sees us, you know, when we call, we're called his possession. The value that he paid a high price for us. In other words, he's saying, I can't wait to be with you. For those of you that are boot up, boot up, huh? You remember? You remember when you first saw them and you were like, "Ooh!" And then you told your boys, "You were like, look, this shorty's bad." You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean I'm trying to. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know, though. I don't know. 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 if She failed me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, though. I don't know. And a month went by, and they were like, what happened? You're like, I still don't know. I don't know. Then one day, you sat down with her, and you were like, yo, I don't know, but um, I like you. I'm just Uh, uh. trying. Don't react. Just listen. I like you, okay? I like you. And I don't know, do you like me? And boy, when they said yes, you were like, okay, 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 okay. Because in your mind, you, you, you had them way up here and it was like, you like me? I like you. Oh, wow. I mean, it was one thing when I liked you, but you liked me. Okay, and you called them the next day. That was right, right? Like, you still like me? Okay. Do we have enough room in our minds and hearts to think God's into us? We see ourselves, now. this sounds horrible, but just live in it for a second. You ever see somebody who you're like, how did they get together? No, no, I know that's horrible. I know that's horrible. No, 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 I know. I know, I know. Just trying to teach the Bible. But no, no, you saw them and you saw the guy and you saw the girl and you saw the guy and then you looked at the girl and then you saw the guy. And you looked over at your friends and you were like, he's rich. He's rich. You're like, it got to be something different. Like, he's, he's godly. he got to be godly. But some of y'all, that's y'all's problem. Y'all, y'all trying to find Mr. Right, not Mr. Righteous. Amen? And sometimes you're more interested in what the trophy looks like than the actual person. But that's completely free, hallelujah. <laughs> but no, 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 God says, no, you look dope too. No, 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 I don't care what they think. No, you're, you're fine in my eyes. In the Bible, there is this incredible picture. In the Old Testament, the priest would walk into the temple and he would intercede for the people. He would wear this incredible robe and on top of the robe would be this thing called an ephod. It it was this, this incredible garment that went over it. And then on top of the ephod, there was this breastplate. The breastplate was an image of going over the heart of God. And on there were these incredible images of stones, diamonds, in Exodus 28, I'm going to read off a bunch of stones that I will not pronounce well. Amen. You can Google them later. But in verse 17, it says, place a setting of gemstones on it. Four rows of stones. The first row should be a row of carnelian and topaz and emerald. The second row, a, a turquoise and lapis and luzili. Yo, luzili's hot. No, I really don't know. And a diamond... <laughs> The third row, Jacinth, ooh, and Agate, mm, and a And the fourth row, beryl, and onyx, and jasper. They should be adorned with filigree in their settings. Now, verse 21. The 12 stones are to correspond to the names of Israel's sons. Each stone must be engraved like a seal with one of the names of the tri- 12 tribes of Israel. Every stone on the breastplate was a name of God's people, of one of their tribes. And it's hard for us to imagine that as the priest would go into the temple and there would be incense burning and fire and through all this smoke, there would be this shining of diamonds all over the priest and they would have names on them, shining, shining, shining. To your neighbor and say, I'm shining. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Could you? Yeah, because some of y'all are broke. You're like, I'm shining. I'm shining. But see, that's the point. That's the point. The Bible says, let your light shine, right? But some of us don't always let our light shine. Some of us put it under a bushel. Some of us aren't living how we ought to be and living out our full lives in Christ. And we feel the weight of that every day. My kids, there are days when my wife, I'll come home about 5.30. My wife will be like, oh, okay, okay. Well, you know what, you know what? Go to bed, okay? Go to bed. How about that? Went, oh, went. Now, now. You don't want to eat? Go oh, starve. Go ahead. Starve. You know. It's just, you know. And I, and I walk in. I'm like, yeah. You know. And I just said, <laughs> good parenting. Good parenting. You know. And we're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my wife would be like, yo, she's crazy. I'm like, she is crazy. She's crazy. Boy, that girl's crazy. Oh, can't stand the things she does. Later on that night, we'll go over to her room. Our little daughter will be asleep. We'll just be staring at her. My wife will be like, I love that fool. (laughs) That girl. She's crazy. But I love her. Because my daughter's shining when she's not shining. Could you be shining even when you're not shining? It's hard for us to imagine you're a precious jewel in his eye. You think I'm only a jewel when I'm shining. You're shining when you're not shining. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm shining even when I'm not shining. You're, You're shining, but here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. The reason why is in the same way that you may have been superimposing the brokenness of your father onto the beauty of God. God has superimposed the righteousness of Christ over the foolishness in your life. Oh, you're shining even when you're not shining. All oh, he is, when he looks at you, he sees the beauty of the righteousness of Christ. That day you were so broken, but he still sees you shining like a diamond. You're beautiful. Listen, you're beautiful in his eyes. It doesn't, you, the mirror doesn't define you. His eyes define you. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful in his eyes. You're beautiful in his eyes. You're shining in his eyes. You're beautiful. No, 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 the, the beauty of knowing God. But lastly, the scriptures tell us that in verse 119 And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the mighty working of his strength? Here, the author Paul now transitions into a space. Where he says, not only is God doing all that and caring for us in that way, but he actually works for our benefit according to his mighty strength. God not only is powerful on high, but he works for our benefit, with his power. This is why the scriptures say, if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, I know powerful people, but they ain't checking for me. They're not working on my benefit or my behalf. And sometimes when people do things for you, they give you just a, a bit of their energy. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, I got about five minutes. I give you just a little bit of my time because I got more important things. But it says that he works according to his mighty strength. That means that if you've ever seen him do anything powerful, that same power works for your benefit. The same God that created heaven and earth works for your benefit. The same God that rose Jesus from the dead works on our behalf. He does not give us a portion of his strength, but he works in proportion to all his strength. That same God, the the old preacher says, he sits high but looks low. But the good thing is that he doesn't look just low. He comes low. He reaches his hand down and he connects with us. Isn't that good? Isn't he a strong father? But he's also this good daddy. He's this close daddy. Psalm 29 says the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Now church. Let's read that all together and feel the weight of that on three. One, two, three. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Uh-huh, keep going. The, the Lord, Lord sits enthroned, Verse 11. The Lord gives his people strength. And the Lord he blesses his people with peace. He is over the flood. The power of the imagery of a flood. Oftentimes, floods aren't quick. They're just rising, 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 rising. And you're getting overwhelmed. And you're in this flood. And you're crying out, somebody see me. I mean, somebody pay attention to me. And you try to climb higher and higher to avoid the flood. And it keeps rising, rising, and rising. And you're like, look at this. My life is flooded with dead and broken relationships and people that are inconsistent and I'm not everything I want to be and the floods keep rising, rising, rising. Hey, like I need somebody. And it says that whole time, God's seated. He's enthroned. And Satan says, you see him? He ain't doing nothing about this, is he? If he was God, he could get rid of the flood, couldn't he? I mean, is he not God of heaven and earth? Didn't we just say he's the powerful God that created the heaven and earth and creates flood? I mean, isn't he God? Where is your God? I thought he was a God that could take care of the flood. The beauty of this song is to let us know that sometimes, God will let the flood waters rise. Not so that we would be afraid, but we would climb higher and higher and higher towards him. And as you climb up, look what it says. He's going to give you strength and he's going to give you peace. And he's going to give you peace that will pass your understanding so much so that it's getting higher and higher and higher. And you say, I've got a God higher than all of this. Oh, my God is higher. He's higher. He's higher. The floods get higher, but he's higher. And the floods get higher of debt and and worry and pain, but he's going to give me peace that transcends this flood. God is a mighty God. He's a strong father. He's a close daddy. And all the daddies you've been looking for, they can't outdo my daddy. No, no, no. He's a strong father. Rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. Let him know he's a liar and he's the father of lies. And I'm not going to believe those things about God. I I know he's my God. I know he's true and I know he's real and I know he's involved. He ain't absent. He don't just send me checks on the weekends. Oh, yeah, he's my God. And so I am going to worship. And I'm going to look for that peace. Oh, it's coming. God, God's chilling. I'm going to look for that strength. It's coming. Why? Oh, I just got to give my daddy a call. He, he loves me. Sure. He's going to hit me off in just about a minute here. Water's getting higher. It's coming he loves us. He's seated on the throne and benevolent to his kids. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We love you, God. We love you, God. Will we stand real quick? We love you, God. We love you, God. Father, we want to evict all the brokenness of the past, all those echoes of the past. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God. We evict all that. We evict all that, Jesus, in in the name of Jesus. And demons tremble at your name, and the father of demons tremble at your name. God, would you expose the lies in my belief system? Father, would you expose the lies in my belief system? Father, would you expose the lies in my belief system? Father, would you expose the lies in my belief system? Father, would you expose all those lies in my belief system? Father, would you expose the lies that I've been living on? Father, would you expose the lies of the past? Father, would you expose those lies? Because the father of lies can't mess with the father of light. Shine, 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 God. Shine your light. Shine your light right now. 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 Just let's sing softly. Shine your light right now. I just want to pray over them. Shine your light right now, Jesus. Shine your light right now. God, expose, rebuke, correct all the lies that I've been hanging on to, God. I've been weighted down, God, and I've been flooded with all the untruths that have been mixed up in my mind. And there are things that I've actually made decisions based upon lies. God, evict those lies. Expose them in the name of Jesus. Oh, you are my father. You are my daddy. And and, and I, and I call out to you because I know you're good. I know I can depend on you. I know I can wait on you. And I'm going to end this generational foolishness in my life, God. I'm going to wait on you. And it doesn't matter what my father's father's father was like. You're my father, God. You're my father. You're my father, God. You're my father, God. Oh, you're my father. I I sit at your feet tonight, Father. I sit at your feet tonight, Father. 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 Father, Father, I sit at your feet tonight. Father, oh God, remove the brokenness of that word, Father. Replace it with beauty, Father. Daddy, I want to call you Father and cry out to you, God. I don't want to see oldness when I see your newness, God. I don't want to see the brokenness of that word. I want to see the beauty of that word, Father. I need you, God. I need that kind of Father. Oh God, you're good to us. You're good to us, God, and you are hovering over this place right now, ministering to us, reminding us of who you are. Oh, you wanted to be so close that you sent your son to die for us. Thank you for sending Jesus, who on the night he was betrayed, his body was broken, and his blood was poured out. Jesus, Jesus, our big brother, he dies in our